Hello and welcome to Better Words. My name is Caitlin and I'm from the Unfinished Bookshelf is what I was just, oh my God, why did I just go to say that? Because that's you. Oh, that's me. I'm yep. Michelle and I'm not from Just a Bookish Babe, but Caitlin is. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I think I was just like in my head I was like Michelle usually does this bit or maybe you just did this like you went first last time or maybe you were just like we always need to try to do something different let's mix it up (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking anyway that was good I liked that just trying to do something different I like it it's good what have you been doing lately well I think that's what I was thinking actually is that you always ask me that so you go first what have you been doing (laughs) Um, for the first time in like forever, I actually had a long weekend that coincided with a public holiday. Like I didn't get the public holiday cause I don't, but, um, my day off for work coincided with public holiday. So I think I left the house like once in three days and I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I just, yeah, I watched a lot of Netflix. In fact, Jack and I watched um, an entire series. Um, it was Jack Whitehall's Travels with My Father. Oh, that looks really funny. I watched it's his so stand up like last week or the week before. At large? Yes. It's so good, isn't Hilarious. it? Oh my gosh. And like my younger brother and I have bonded over like the videos online. Where I he's, reckon like, Harry would love it. Yeah, like Lion's, Lion King Tourette's. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> he is really funny. Um, and he, he's just. Oh, I, do, I, I can't even, he's just, no, he's really appealing. I, I really yeah. find him and great. British. And British. Um, he's and also, hates Robert Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also has been in a couple of shows which I've talked about on this podcast, like Fresh Meat. Um, he's like one of the stars of that and stuff. So I really, I, I enjoy his comedy. Um, but this show is him taking his father who's in his 70s very very posh British man who doesn't like foreign things foreign food foreigners foreign places um taking him to South Asia on holiday for a gap year um and it's just it's just really hilarious and I just related on a range of different levels and Caitlin you'll probably understand why I did when you see it Mm. because I mean, partly because I grew up like Jack did. I grew up with a father who was a lot older than everybody else's dad. So I I identified with him in that, but just like the struggles and also the joys of having an older father. like Yeah, just a father in general, to be honest, probably. I think the stubbornness that comes out in old men. Yeah, that's a a thing. just, Just their rigid views on certain things. I, I just related so much that to Jack so good. and I just kept saying like, oh, like this, like I kept saying to my Jack, this is just so, like so my life yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is what holidays with my dad are like sometimes. That's hilarious. Um, so, but it's just really enjoyable, but a nice ending as well. I, so I really enjoyed that and I finished watching The Crown season two and I can't wait for you to finish so we can discuss it. And honestly, I'm probably going to go home and have dinner and watch The Crown. Good. Okay. Can you, like, we haven't done this for ages since we started recording this podcast, but you need to text me and talk to me about it. I know. We don't actually talk about what we've been reading or listening to or watching because we save it for the podcast, which is why, funnily enough, Michelle, right before we hit record, asked if I wanted to go see I, Tonya this weekend. And I was like, oh, I've seen it. 
And I was but like, I, what? Why don't, what? Why don't I know everything I just that's happening to, in your life? Yeah, uh-huh. I just didn't tell you because I was going to tell you on the podcast. <laughs> it's, saving it. It's so good. Like, seriously. Even, like, from the trailer, it looks amazing. Oh, it looks amazing. Margot Robbie is excellent. Sebastian Stan is excellent. Alison Janey is the best. I freaking love her. Oh, my God. It's so, so good. Like, so okay, good. Really, I'm really, really excited I really, to see it. I'm really excited to, like, watch the Oscars for multiple reasons. I love the Oscars. But also, oh, man, I feel like Margot Robbie has a shot. Like, <laughs> Actually, you go know Aussie Margot Robbie. <laughs> you know what we should have done for this episode? What? Talked about the Oscars nominations. And like I haven't, I, I don't really know anything else that's up. Maybe if the Oscars aren't on until like March. Maybe we can do that next week. Oh, okay. Because I already have picks that I kind of. Let's do made. it next week. Okay. Everyone stay tuned. I think, I think that'd be good just to have a look at like. A quick movie What review. we want yeah. and also what, what we, we think, think. is yep. going to. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll do that next week. Um, <laughs> or will we? Who knows? We probably forget. I won't. I won't forget. <laughs> I won't. Um, what else have you been up to before I talk about my long weekend? I haven't really done much. Okay, so should I just like, <laughs> like jump right into it? Like your bit's done? Like I yeah, can just talk Yeah, like I'm, I'm reporting again at work, which is fun after five weeks of not reporting. So I'm getting my nerd out again. It's kind yeah, of, about being an actual journalist who gets to write stories. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, okay, I'm done. Go. Okay, my long weekend. Um, as Michelle mentioned, we had a public holiday. Um, so my whole family had the long weekend off and um, my parents like rented like a beach house like down the coast, um, you know, just like near where we live. And, oh, it was so beautiful. Like I did nothing for three days. Like I knew you said you did nothing for three days. I read a book a day went for two swims a day and still played board games with my family in the afternoons and evenings. It was amazing. (laughs) It was so, so good. So books I read. I um, think I mentioned that I hadn't actually but was going to start reading Anna Faris's Unqualified. So I did read it. So good. She says so many lovely things about Chris and about Jack, their son, um, and about just like her career in general. And reading it sounds exactly like her, um, which is good because like sometimes you read these or maybe and then, you know, you start to see in interviews and you can sort of understand it's like, oh, what sounds like people and what doesn't, especially with like a memoir. But because I've been listening to her podcast for the past two years, the book sounds like her. That's how I felt about um, Eliza Schlesinger's Girl Logic as well. Like I could just picture her. Yeah, because like you've watched it. her stand up, so yeah. it's like it sounds like her. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other two books I read, I borrowed from our local library in Rockhampton. Um, I know many of you probably have seen the trailers for Love Simon. Based, I think that um, the Penguin Teen event they got like a premiere, like a secret. I know. Screen. I'm so jealous. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm sorry. I'm like so jealous of everyone that went to that. I kept seeing it on social media. So many like bloggers and authors and that that we've interacted with, and I'm just like, I'm so jealous. Why don't I live in Melbourne? To meet like, Margot and Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So jealous. Um, but I am really looking forward to seeing the movie. So it's based on. Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. Um, so I actually did read this book in, I think, November. I think I checked. But I think oh, okay. November 2015. So it's so a reread. Yeah, it was a reread and I wanted to reread it before I saw the movie because I couldn't really remember what happened. And it was 
It was so cute. I think you're really going to enjoy it. But, yeah, yeah um, I'm, really, I'm hoping I can fit in reading it before. Yeah, well, I mean, I know I was on holiday and it was public, like, but I read it in a day. I've actually started trying to read on my lunch breaks. Yes. So, um, like, actually taking dedicated time out, not just eating at my desk, I'm actually stopping and – because I'm precious about the books I own, that means I have to have a library book that I'm reading that I can just chuck in my handbag. Well, I got so it that from should be my library. next yeah. library book, I think. Um, yeah, so I wanted to reread it before I saw the movie. Um, I will write a review, I think, so then I can have my thoughts about it and then have my thoughts about the adaptation. Um, also because I read it in 2015, so I haven't reviewed it because that was before I started blogging. Um, the other book I read, because it was right next to this one, obviously, was The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli, which is her more recent release. Um, oh, I think I she's actually realised they're by the same people. Yeah, so I think she's got another book coming out in April this year, but I think that one came out in 2017. And I did see it on social and I wanted to read it um, because I, I remembered liking Simon, but mm. um, I, I never did. And it was... I've seen it everywhere. Yeah, mm. yeah, I know it has been everywhere. I really, really enjoyed it. Again, look out for reviews for all three of these. <laughs> if you have ever read The Upside of Unrequited, I am Molly. I just haven't got a boyfriend yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, haven't quite got there. Um, Any but, yeah. single better words, listeners of the male species, um, please feel free to contact us. No, don't. <laughs> I'm just me like, a sorry. Really well, they'd like reading though. Yeah, that probably would be a prerequisite. I actually, um, maybe I could start this as like a lady gang thing like Jack used to do, like weird stories. Mm -hmm. Um, This guy on Tinder messaged me the other day and like at some point in the conversation, a very short conversation, mind you, asked me what I was like interested in. And when I said reading, he was like, oh, (laughs) and I was like, yeah. Oh, if this is, I was like, if a little reading is a deal breaker, I'm not your girl. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> she tells the audience of oh her bookish gosh. podcast. They're all going to agree. That's just, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yep. So there we go. There's, See, the first reaction I used to get on Tinder was like, oh, wow, you must be really smart. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. Okay, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't have that much confidence ever. <laughs> I just think it's kind of fun to have anyway. Um, I know. I think it's, it's fun to have your Tinder personality, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. To be a bit of to a. To be sassy. Yeah, be a bit yeah, sassy. I it's like fun. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so go be sassy on Tinder. Go read books and stay tuned for a more amazing interview than anything we've just said. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, the best of this episode is yet to come. We have a really amazing guest and she has a really, really cool story to share. Our guest today is an award-winning writer, speaker, and appearance activist. She has a rare, severe skin condition called ichthyosis. She writes on disability issues for publications including ABC, Daily Life, and SBS. She was named as one of Australia's most influential women in the 2014 Australian Financial Review and Westpac 100 Women of Influence Awards. She has appeared on ABC's You Can't Ask That and Cyberhate with Tara Moss and has been a regular on various ABC radio programs. Carly is currently writing her first book, a memoir, and is represented by our good friend, Danielle Binks. Welcome to Better Words, Carly Findlay. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's our pleasure. So, um, so we wanted to start with your forthcoming memoir, which is, I guess, publication date is, is rapidly approaching. Yes, 
um, so what can people expect from Say Hello? Um, well, I just got the first draft in about a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, a lot of stuff that I've already written on my blog. Probably I would say a third of the stuff that I've written on my blog I took and um, – you know, a third of the content would be blog posts that have been um, expanded on or articles. Um, so I write a lot on appearance, diversity and disability issues. So I wrote about how, um, you know, people have um, the perceptions of disability. I can't even remember now. Is that really bad? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can imagine it, was... it would be so much to be doing. Look, I, oh I, I'm a journalist and I would be subbing some shifts and I would literally read every story in the paper and I would get home and my dad would be like, so what's in the news tomorrow? I'd be like, I, I, I don't know. Like uh, all I remember is looking for grammatical things. Like I can't actually remember what we wrote about. <laughs> yep. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to get my thing up. And actually, you know, I haven't um, – I've been um, writing in a studio and mm -hmm. that is why my computer is there because <laughs> I haven't used it since I've been writing. And so the draft isn't on me. So I'm just going through my email. My saving – my filing system was uh, – I was just like sending myself the draft email. <laughs> Uh, and then I put it. I, I, I put it on a thing to my, um, a, a, you know, a flash drive to my editor, to my publisher. Um, so I write a lot about, um, you know, disability, the low expectations. Um, I wrote about my childhood, um, kind of when I became, um, uh, I when I identified with having a disability. Um, mm. I also wrote a bit about fashion and I wrote some advice stuff as well so like you know how how you can talk to people with disability people that look different um and also how we can um I don't know maybe uh not not overcome because that's not the right word because we don't overcome our disabilities we overcome the barriers mm. um but but how we can make um become a bit more confident yeah so yeah, I think it was that. I think I found it. I think I might have found it. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's titled Final Draft One. Um, <laughs> How many final drafts so, do you think there'll be? <laughs> gosh, I'm a bit nervous. Um, yeah, so I think I think I wrote that. Oh, you know, I probably could have just gone to my chapter summary. Uh, whoops. <laughs> anyway. Um, so good. I, have, I actually haven't given it much thought um, since I put it in because I felt like it was such a mammoth task. Mm. It was so humongous. And when I got to 10,000 words, um, I was like, oh, yeah, that's like my, my master's thesis. And then when I got mm. to 50,000 words, I thought this is five times my master's <laughs> thesis and I cried a little bit. Wow. <laughs> and then when I got to – it was 80,000 words in the end. And it was a real relief to get it done. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, a mammoth task, I think, and, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether yeah. I enjoyed it or not. <laughs> um, actually, that's a really interesting thing. Like, obviously, this book is made up of your life and your experiences, so how did you decide what should and shouldn't be included? 
Um, I think because I've been blogging for so mm. long, I've been blogging for about eight years today maybe or oh, last wow. Sunday. <laughs> Congratulations. Something, I, I'll have a look at my, my blog and I'll tell you. But anyway, um, I just I, I found that I have really set really good boundaries for for what I blog about mm. um, and what I write about and I've become more confident. And so when I I worked in the public service for many years until last month, I was an employee there, and I think the, the code of conduct and the values that I had to uphold really set what I would write about because I would never mention my job and, you know, often ask people permission whether to write about them or not. And, and so... I, I kind of stuck with that ethics, you know, um, yeah. with those values. So, yeah, I mean, there there isn't it isn't a tell-all biography. Well, December the sixteenth, two thousand and nine, was the day I started my blog. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or this blog anyway. I've been blogging for a long time. So yeah, I mean, basically, it was that. It, it was some stuff that I had written in the, you know, like in daily life or ABC that had got really good discussion or that I wanted to expand upon more. Mm. That sort of stuff. Um, it was stuff that. Like if 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 I had a disagreement on Facebook, often um, people get annoyed about language, and um, you know, I I might be talking about an issue around disability, and when I say I identify as being a disabled woman, the conversation will immediately switch to, "Oh, don't call yourself disabled. This is offensive." So I kind of noted those things down, so I mm. would know that I wanted to address that in my book. Um, my filing system, when I started, I'm really bad. Like, I'm such a bad digital filer. Um, and so I, I work a lot on my iPad for most writing, mm-hmm. and that works fine. It does not work fine when you're writing 80,000 words. <laughs> um, so my filing system was basically um, a whole heap of iPad notes. So until about September, until until September, so from March or May till September or even earlier, I just had all these chapters in iPad notes. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably halfway there. And I put them all together when I started working in the studio in sort of late October. And I thought, uh-oh, um, <laughs> that's not as many words as I thought. Um, <laughs> And I put them in a Word document, so it's much easier to work on the computer. I bought a new keyboard, so it was easier, like away from my laptop um, keyboard and a mouse. So that was much easier in that. But um, yeah, so that if if you're writing a book, I would recommend maybe not doing it in iPad Notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tip one noted. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you've just got to get the yeah, stuff so, down when you can. Hey. Pardon? You've just got to get everything down when you can and when you have time. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I don't discount it. I don't discount it for jotting down things. <laughs> but I think um, if you're going to write the bulk of the book in iPad, yeah. it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did the writing the memoir itself, um, did it affect you in any ways that you weren't expecting? Yes. Yeah. Um, it didn't affect me. Like, I've heard that people find it quite traumatic to relive things. That didn't affect me. What affects me, and and I have talked to friends about this, and I I don't really want to disclose it too much, but what affected me is the 
potential damage to relationships. So um, I have found that since I've been writing, I haven't heard from friends. Um, and if I have, it's been quite critical of some of my career decisions. Um, I don't know whether that's because I'm going mainstream and maybe it's, it's thought that people with disabilities shouldn't go mainstream. Um, but that, and, and also there was some other stuff that happened as well, which I'm not going to go into now. But um, that has been difficult, the silence and the potential jealousy. Mm. Actually, um, I was, I was going to yeah. ask as well, like, do you, is there anything that when you were writing, were there any, was there anything that you were worried about sharing because of um, other people and maybe roles that they'd played in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for some of the people that I haven't heard from, I would have loved to have, um, you know, sat down with them and thought, hey, I really want to write about this, what do you think? But because of the standoffishness I didn't mm -hmm. um there were other things where I I sat down with my parents and I you know I, I interviewed both of them for the book which was really lovely to do um and I mentioned that I'm going to be talking about my um grandparents who are now dead and mm -hmm. uh some of the stuff might be uh difficult though I wouldn't write about them in a disparaging way um yeah, so that I was a bit worried about. Like personally, I think I would find that hard if I was to ever write about my life. I'd be really worried about hurting people's feelings mm. um, because when you write, it's like your side of the story and like yeah. what if yeah. they see something differently, you know, you know, but you never know what they might think about, you know, this particular story or something like that. Was that something that yeah. you struggled with writing? Yeah, I think so. Um Maybe I wasn't worried about that, but I was worried that maybe you don't want to come across as um, being a victim or being the, you know, like the, the too innocent party, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, if you write about bullying, um, I mean, I hope, and I'll probably go back, and, and I hope I acknowledge that I've probably done some bullying too, but it, it's really hard to write about that victim stuff without seeming like a victim. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, because you only have your side. Um, and there's been a couple of sort of ongoing, you know, I guess as my profile has grown, there's been a couple of ongoing trolls. And mm. I remember when my when the announcement came out from Collins, and one of them said, oh, this will be a pity party on the post. And that's oh. been in my mind for the whole time. I just yeah. don't want to make it so that I'm... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird how these negative, like, negative talk from other people can can influence it. And I guess it's it's like with anything, you can get, you know, a hundred lovely comments from people, but that one person who was like, oh, well, I don't like it, that sticks in your head more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Like I know like yeah. I know that with, with work as well, like the criticism that we receive from people who just text in and are like, oh, this story is not good. And you're like, I put so much, you know, like yeah. I really thought, and you just feel like that sticks with you more than, you know, the person who wrote you a card personally to say thanks yeah. for writing this. And, um, yeah, I think that definitely people like that. just ugh. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really tricky to filter that out. You know, mm. I mean, I should be used to it and I've got, I mean, I have got a pretty thick skin, but it's really, um, it is really tricky to filter that out. And, and I'm kind of talking to more people as 
you know, I guess my my profile rises to talk about how you manage this. Mm. But, it, yeah, it, it can be really difficult. Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's the human condition, though. We all focus on the bad things rather than the good things. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yep. But speaking about keeping things in and out of memoirs, Carly, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Rosie Waterland's podcast, My Mum Says My Memoir yeah. is Alive. Yeah, yeah, I saw Rosie a few months ago, yeah. Yeah, so I think that is a really interesting um, thing. So for people who aren't familiar, Rosie wrote a book um, called The Anti-Cool Girl a few years ago and yeah. is now yeah. rereading that book chapter by chapter with her mum who at the time uh-huh. – um, wasn't in a state to to read the book and then was very hurt by some of the things and they're kind of working this out together and explore, exploring each chapter together and it's the most amazing thing to listen to. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, so many because so many traumatic things happened in Rosie's past that obviously involved her family or her mum in some way. It would have been incredibly difficult to write that knowing that, yeah, your mum's going to read it. And I know yeah. as well she also didn't want to go back and talk to anyone because she wanted her memoir to just be like just her, her memories. Yeah, yeah, just what yeah. she remembered. And obviously yeah. our so, memories all come with some flaws sometimes. Yeah. So. And that's basically exactly what I said. What if my mum thought that my memoir was a lie? You yeah. Know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that Rosie's great in giving her mum a say in that and mm, it yeah. must be really hard to then relive that again or, you know, and record it. Yeah. And then if she's doing the editing again, again and again and again. Yeah, um, definitely. There yeah. was something that I that I wrote about that I wasn't sure if I could put in the book as well. Mm. Um, when I, and, and I've talked a little bit about this um, elsewhere, but somebody that I know um, – had been online harassing me or harassing me online for many years and when they found out about the book they wrote some really awful stuff about me online and this had been going on for quite some time so you know while I've asked them to stop I didn't get that (laughs) from them They, they continued and I took out a personal safety order at court and I wanted to talk about that expectation that um of me being nice and, and being polite until I could take no more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I sort of had to talk about that um, without mentioning who they were and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that that's hard as well. Mm. Actually, that kind of moves into my next question, which was the really big downsides that come with someone like yourself and like many other women in particular who are seen as activists online and do speak out. Um, And I know you've um, written about being and talked about being trolled before and even receiving death threats and you've just mentioned like things before as well. How how do you deal with that and what can be done to protect people more from this sort of disgusting behaviour? I think for now it's a bit water off a duck's back almost. I mean, I I know that sounds really, really ridiculous that we we become hardened to it, but... Mm. I do. I am a bit hardened to it now, and I shouldn't be. Um, no, I feel no that have to put up the police that. don't often do anything. Um, I had some trolling by Nazis earlier this year, and they um, the police haven't done much at all, um, and it's just been passed from pillar to post. Because I knew the person who was harassing me, I, I guess I got to, um, 
you know, that, that worked in my favour for the personal safety order. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't know, the, the e-safety commissioner seems to be doing some good work. They've really helped me and, and other people. I went to the e-safety conference recently and heard from people from Facebook and um, I talked a little bit about how we really need to get the people that are moderating these community standards on Facebook and Twitter. They really have to come from minority backgrounds where they they know um, they know what these microaggressions or these bullying behaviours are because if they if they just dismiss it because they haven't experienced it or can't recognise it, then that doesn't help us. Mm. Um, I think as well, it really helps for people to, um, you know, look out for one another online as well. Last week, and I, I will be probably writing about this on my blog, I kind of took on a FM commercial radio module <laughs> uh, because of <laughs> because of their language in a podcast and mm. it wasn't a great experience. I was a fan of theirs for some time and, and their response was to block me. Yeah. And one, one of the things was um, while it was quite awful, I really saw the allies come out. So I had amazing support from – this person's a comedian – from comedians and I had support from um, other journalists and um, people, just allies, and that was pretty amazing to see. I had people checking on me saying, hey, I saw what happened. Are you okay? Mm. Um, I had people respond to them and other people um, in, the, in the tweet threads as well instead of me so that was good so I think looking out for people is is a real good start yeah yeah um actually let's talk about language and stuff like that I think Uh I know it's been a learning curve for me over the last few years I'm like I absolutely didn't realize the harm that some uh particular words in our language can can cause to people and I'm constantly learning and trying to teach other people around me too when yeah. I when I realise that people are saying words that are unacceptable. Yeah, trying to uh-huh. be better. But I think one of the things with that is that I think very quickly, especially in the last couple of years, like I think the whole world is learning in, well, uh, in my yeah. opinion. I, kinda, I feel like we're all getting a little bit better. We have a long way to go, but I think we're all getting a little bit better. I think there are some sections though and that like Carly, still, yeah, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we're very, like everybody is very aware now of, particular racist slurs and homophobic slurs but Uh, ableism is still very like you see it in books and you see people casually throwing this around and even like I love my partner but there are times he says certain words and I'm like no don't no don't use that yeah yeah. let's stop that yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. um one of the things that I wrote about last week when this happened was um on my Facebook page um I wrote about how um, th- there's a great cost in calling this out and mm. I have lost friends, you know, I've lost people that I admire like that radio guy um, because I've spoken up about it um, and someone pointed out on my Facebook post that while we might, and, and it wasn't directed at me, it was directed at someone else, but um, while we might think that people are more alert to racist and homophobic terms, um, someone from a um, 
marginalised background, another marginalised background, doesn't feel that way. They they feel that they still cop the racism and homophobia, yeah. um, and that that's a really good point to make. But mm. I feel that when there is ableism, and I'm not going to say the words now, but um, when there is ableism, it's often defended as oh, it's not racism, it's not homophobic, so it's not a problem. Yeah. This year, um, Heath Shaw, a footballer in Sydney, used the R word on um, field, and when commentators and media people, which were basically ex-footballers, talked about this, their um, justification was, oh, well, it's not racist, it's not homophobic, it's not sexist, so it's, it, it still stands, it's fine. Um, when leaders use these words, I mean, you saw how a recent politician, a newly elected politician in Sydney, John Alexander, yeah. talked about disability and, and the lack of pride he had if he took a disability parking permit and then laughed it off when he apologised. Mm. When they talk about, and, and Malcolm Turnbull talked about the NDIS as a, a, a scheme that is an act of compassion and love. And when the leaders talk about disability like that, then it filters down to the media. If the people are only watching like your lowest common denominator or reading the lowest common denominator media, then they're going to think it's okay to use those words. Yeah, and I think and, and even if the words aren't directed at disabled people, mm. it's still about disabled people. Um, yeah. and it take and it takes away the power. As I said to this person on online the other day, the comedian that you know you've you've got it. You're you're saying this from a position of power, and many disabled people aren't. And him blocking me with his rather large audience yeah. just showed that. Yeah, and also the podcast that his swear that, that his slurs were on, it shot to the top ten, and he then used the situation <laughs> as leverage. Mm. Oh my god! Mm. And I, I think we say that we're seeing less homophobic and racist slurs because we both and we we follow people who are of the same mind as us, and you get into a bit of a bubble where you yeah I, like all my friends are quite yeah. aware and yeah um, exactly yeah, yeah. you know we unfortunately get tricked into thinking that the world is getting a little bit better. But what what should like from your perspective, Carly? I think um, they discussed this on the Guilty Feminist, and I'd love to love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, if, you know, and like I've definitely used the wrong words in the past and I want to learn that I want to be better in the future. But if if you come to us and say, hey, you used the wrong word, like maybe just, you know, think about this, what what's the appropriate response? How how to can we step be back better? and say, Oh, thanks for telling me. If you didn't know, you say I didn't know. Mm. And then, you know, where can I find more information? My tweets to this comedian provided three articles um, yeah. and, um, and and do better and also make, make some sort of apology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and know that, that words hurt and it's not even, I mean, it's not just words, it's, it's exclusion of people with disability. You know, it's not inviting us onto media, onto, onto platforms and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just include, do, do better. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe even tell your your followers or listeners to, uh, you know, the the resources that you found as well to say I learned this today. And I know that people will argue because every time I post something about language, they're like, oh, language has evolved. Yeah. It's all right. We didn't mean it like this. Um, and then shut down those arguments. Say no. This information is coming from disabled people. 
you've got to listen. Um, there's a really great resource by Autistic Hoyer, um, which you can Google, and just Google Autistic Hoyer and language, you'll find it. Yeah, um, maybe we'll you can include that. in the show notes. And that's got some really great ideas around um, alternatives to ableist language and, yeah. Um, yeah. But just listen. And also, if you are, because I, I know that one of you works in the media, or maybe both of you, but if, but if you are um, covering a disability story, get someone with a disability to write it. Mm. Um, I love it when I get asked by editors. I get asked quite a bit. We want this perspective. Can you write it? Yes, I will. Because I'd rather it come from a disabled person than not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really and also there are really good media guidelines out there around reporting on disability. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, you know, like it, it, people can educate themselves in that because I, I um, helped someone a, a while ago with their article. I gave them some quotes and they sent it back to me and it was like just really disempowering language. And I felt like I'd just written their article for them because I just had to go and change it all. Yeah. <laughs> and they could have done that same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely, like, I have a long way to go. And, you know, a few a few years ago I wasn't even aware of ableist language. So it's it's actually through other book bloggers um, that I, I learnt about it and then following more people of diverse backgrounds and stuff that, yeah. that I became. And, you know, I think, I think that I've definitely made mistakes in the past and I, I definitely like to try and not repeat those mistakes. Actually, something that, you know, an interesting thing that I found along those lines, it's not related to ableism, but it was to do with cultural appropriation. And that was Uh the use of like the term spirit animal. Oh, Um, yeah. And I I can't remember who it was, but it was on Control-Alt-Delete, the podcast, and the person was talking about how she had been called out online for using it. And she was like, I I did not know that it's actually, you know, a cultural appropriation for for, um, Native Native American um, culture, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so I, as soon as I learned that, I was like, wow, no, I'm not, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, take note of these things and and it's really great that you are doing it. But, you know, to your listeners, do take note and and when people speak out about it, don't dismiss it or say, oh, we're being sensitive or or whatever. You know, the onus is on you to, um, you know, to to make the changes. And and so often we are, we as disabled people, are expected to educate at all times Mm. and it's really tiring. I mean, I was, the other day, I was so exhausted just, just from answering people's like the replies to me, um, and and explaining over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, education really is key. And like, whenever those, you know, things come up, I'm so thankful when people share these little things because you know, if I don't know, and it's like, oh, okay, now I know. You know, share it again. Yeah. Try and tell people, like Michelle. Yeah. I remember when you told me about that spirit animal article. Yeah. Every time I see spirit animal, I just think of that, and I'm like, oh, I don't like that term now because yeah. I know it's, yeah. you know, would make someone else feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And yeah. <laughs> we had a bit of a disagreement about this, and um, you thought I was being a little bit ridiculous, Caitlin, when we went to what see me before you, and I told you how much I was going to hate it. 
because it was oh because of the representation because of the, the representation yeah yeah of disability it yeah. was terrible it was I wrote so about it oh no I, wow. after we saw it I was like yeah that yeah, was, yeah. Okay, I get it I get it yeah I um when I wrote a, I wrote a review about explaining it I linked to a couple of the articles that I had seen written by yeah. people with disabilities explaining because because I didn't, explaining yeah. why it was like wrong because yeah. when I saw this all happening online I was like what's the issue and I like I was like I want to find out more about this yourself yeah but yes that movie was appalling in many ways I mean I was pretty sure I wasn't gonna like it just based on the story but like that was also another aspect of it yeah 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 Yeah. definitely yeah I when I was writing about it initially I I was sort of halfway through the book and had my thoughts and and I've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of things without having to read the book or see the whole movie and I had people say, oh, read the book, you know, and they were, mm. all of them were non-disabled and they were all defending me, the, the movie rather, yeah. um, terribly. And even actually I wrote about Wonder recently because yeah. I really mm. liked the book. I, I really like the book, but I see it's problematic. It's not written by a person with a facial difference. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like the movie Wonder but, and I wrote about my concerns about Wonder beforehand and some ideas and then I saw the movie and I was pleasantly surprised but I had some people say, oh, but you should be – you know, you can't really make an informed decision or opinion before. Uh, well, I can because this is a representation of someone like me. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You, everyone has yeah. a right to have an opinion on every, on anything they want. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, how did how did you start getting into more um, activism and writing and and speaking up about appearance, diversity, and and disability? Um, I think, so I'd started my blog, this blog, I'd I'd been blogging for many years on lots of different platforms, but I started this blog in 2009 and I hadn't blogged much about my skin before because I was really mindful about, um, what might be done with my image. Um, and Mm. a few years later, uh, my image was misused, but well before that it wasn't misused. It was okay. It took a while. <laughs> um, but I was really worried about what would happen with my image. And, and also I kind of, back then I didn't identify with having a disability as much or at all. Um, and so, uh, but then on my blog one day I wrote about when I went to hospital because my face was really sore and I got a whole heap of support like, wow, we never knew this or, you know, you shed so much and I can't. And then, and then I had people say, oh, this happens to me as well if I've got ichthyosis. Um, and so then I decided to write a bit more about my stuff, my, my skin and my experiences. And then I just, I think with writing you get to know yourself and I did. I, You know, writing, I write, you know, if you write, you know yourself more. And I did and then I knew, you know, read up more because I was, in touch with more people with disability and chronic illness and then identified with it. Um, and then I got involved in some TV stuff on No Limits on Channel 31, yeah. which you can now watch online on Disability Media Australia. I think it's called Disability Busters where the archive is for that. Um, and then I, yeah, I just started writing a lot more and, re- and you know, like practising on my blog made mm. me get published in different things um and I just I guess I became more self-assured um probably my dad would say more assertive (laughs) I don't think he likes that but more (laughs) assertive um and just like really getting lots of people's opinions and perspectives when I in my writing and then I you know I get to know a lot more you know like my my review on 
well, my concerns about wonder, for example, mm. didn't only contain um, positive thi- uh, negative things, even though it's from a negative viewpoint. There was a couple of people that I quoted who were quite excited about the film. And then I actually saw the film and I, I really liked it, but I still said that my concerns stand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, that, so that's how I got started. And I think I, one of the things I'm really mindful of is to pass the baton on to people. So I don't always want to be the person interviewed for the news. There are lots of other people available. You know, yeah. if I'm not able to do something, I'll say, hey, I can't, but this other person that um, is disabled can and they're really competent, so get them to do it or something. Mm. So I think that's really important to do. Um, yeah, so I guess to start. And also I went to um, – I did my master's thesis a few years ago now, five years ago, on the power of blogging and chronic illness and identity. And I read a bit about um, by this woman who um, is a disability activist, Jenny Morris, and she was writing a lot about stuff. And that was probably my first kind of disability theory that I've read. I was really interested and I went overseas to talk. And, yeah, so Mm -hmm. it's – yeah, it's it's just taken off from there. But, you know, it's a lot of practice. It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so obviously we've just talked about some of the negative things um, yeah. about, you know, being online. Oh, sorry, it's been pretty negative. No, 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 that's okay because no, my next question, important. my next question was going to try and lighten the mood, was going to be <laughs> what's, what positive experiences have you had um, as yeah. a result of your activism and, and just writing in general? Um, there's been just so many and, and I mean the the um, the good has definitely outweighed the bad. I don't think I'd continue if it hadn't have been. I think the biggest thing is having someone with hypnosis or a facial difference write to me and say, until I found your blog or your writing, I was alone and now I know I'm not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a That's woman amazing. who was in their 60s emailed me to say she thought she was the only one in the world that had the condition until she found my writing. Another woman that's a bit older than me, in her, she's in her 40s, she said that until she saw my, my fashion photos, she would never wear summer dresses because she was too embarrassed about her skin. Mm-hmm. Um, parents have emailed me to say that uh, they re- you know, they research ichthyosis and if you do, it's pretty um, morbid, I guess, uh, pretty scary. And um, when they found my words, they had some hope for their child. So yeah. that's probably the biggest <laughs> exciting thing but then there's been amazing things as well you know speaking I got to speak overseas which was exciting I think my first real speaking gig was in Bristol in the UK Um, so that was pretty good um doing some work with the hospital has been good I mean I lecture student medical students um in um genetics not even a doctor and I can do that it's amazing Um, (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool I I talk to medical students uh, for a couple of their classes at Melbourne University, um, also meeting other disabled people. So the reason I identify with having a disability is because, well, one, my skin, but two is that the barriers around my mm-hmm. disability. So I have so much in common with other people with disability because we face the same things, we mm-hmm. face the same barriers. And that's kind of that the, the community has been really amazing. Um, getting to do really cool things like I went on – not that this is to do with activism, but a few years ago I went on the Humans of Canberra trip where they got bloggers and people to promote Canberra and we went on this amazing trip and got fed and wined and we had to take Instagram photos. That was pretty yeah. good. 
Um, meeting people overseas has been pretty good, like meeting blog readers and people with ichthyosis overseas has been fun. Um, uh, I do a podcast now. Um, it's called Refreshments Provided and I do it with my friend Jason. And this year I got to interview my – or we got to interview my favourite singer, Bob Evans, and then I got on his podcast, which is pretty exciting. Um, Wonderful. He's become a friend of mine now. I've gone from <laughs> fan to friend. Um, that's pretty good. And I got to um, talk to Darren Hayes, who's my favourite, on, on his podcast a few years ago. Mm. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened without social media, I don't think. Um, and I did some work with uh, Claire Bowditch this year on ABC. And I was their arts reviewer, which was really nice. Nice not to be talking about disability. Yeah. yeah. And you can't ask that as well. That's been amazing. Um, the people that I've met through that show, or well, I, I mean, I I had to do the filming on my own, so I didn't meet anyone there except for the producers. But yeah. um, you know, I've become really close to Ellen and Belinda, who were in my episode. You can't mm. ask that. And I've met Ellen a number of times this year because she's come to Melbourne, and I um, talk with Belinda online all the time. And we're organising a girls' weekend in Sydney next year, so we can all meet up. So that's been amazing. Just the, I think the connections. Mm, um, yeah, oh, and yeah. the book deal, the book deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bring it back yeah. to the book. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is amazing though. I actually, you can't ask, that was um, where I first saw you and then started yeah. following you after that. And um, obviously then like I was already following Danielle as well. So when I saw you got the book yeah. deal, like having her as an agent, I was like, oh, oh uh-huh. this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I had all these secrets that I had to keep. And I think I got my book deal the day after you can't ask that. So although I had to keep that a secret for a while, but it was very <laughs> exciting. And um, my, yeah, so, you know, just into Dime's, um overseas, Danielle, and uh, it's been, since I've been with her, it's been amazing because so much stuff has happened. You know, at, this, at the end of last year on our Christmas holiday, so around this time last year, I said, I read um, Lindy West's Shrill and Clementine Ford's Fight Like a Girl and I said, I'm going to write a book this year. So I made all these quotes and then in my iPad, so that's, that's where it started. And then in, at the start of the year, um, I was feeling really uh, a bit despondent in my day job but really excited in oh yeah that's another thing I also quit my job after I got my big deal <laughs> um, so now I'm just freelancing full-time but um I yeah so I was feeling a bit despondent and then in in the first week of the year I got this email from a publisher to say um we'd like to publish your book I'm like wow I didn't even know that I told anyone I was writing a book <laughs> um and I kind of don't I don't believe in that woo-woo but I you know, I obviously wrote it down that I was going to write a book because uh, yeah. I was already making notes. And then it happened. And then I contacted Jacinta, who I'd met last year. I said, what do I do? And then she signed me up. And then um, I had another another person contact me to ask me if they could publish my book that didn't yet exist except in two iPad notes. <laughs> and um, then we got together a book proposal and Jacinta and Janielle submitted it to uh, nine publishers and five of them got back with a yes. So I had to wow. decide. And it was really hard because it was like having 
like five puppies and having to say no <laughs> to four of them. Oh, my God. That'd be so hard. Yeah. Everyone was really nice. And, you, I mean, you know that you're there for a deal. You know that you're there for, um, you know, a money, um, a monetary contract. Mm. Um, but everyone was so nice. And then I think I didn't really know how publishing worked, but I said if I say no to someone, does that mean I can't work with them in the future? And, you know, just since and Danielle explained what I could do. And I've been in touch with two of the publishers since. So it's been really nice to do that. And I really like working with Collins. I mean, I don't know any different. So yeah. they're lovely. <laughs> but it's, it's really nice. And one of the things I've also found is I couldn't believe how many people have my back, like that want to see me succeed and, mm. other, you know, and other people who write as well succeed. It's such a different thing. Like writing for the media, it's wonderful as well. And my editors at SBS and Daily Life are fantastic, but they don't have the time to give me the feedback that the publishers and the agents do. So it's been really different receiving that feedback. Yeah. Oh, that's Mm. see, I don't, I never used to believe in all that sort of stuff either and I had this friend who always used to say oh like what what you put out your intention to the universe you, you'll get back and I was like mm, yeah okay whatever um yeah. but a lot of things have happened this year that have made me think that a lot of things are, are meant to be and I mean that certainly sounds like that to me that you know this is what you're meant to do and yes. it's going to help you know I'm sure more than one person but I like the way I look at my writing sometimes as a journalist I always think like even if I can just make one person's day like I'll be I'll be happy with that and I'm Mm. sure you're going to help a lot of other people Carly and already have but just yeah there's what there's people out there who are meant to read your book clearly definitely I hope so Um, (laughs) it's been pretty exciting and I think now I'm you know I'm obviously I'm obviously not in it for the fame but it's very lovely to be recognized as a writer and person in the media I think now mm. uh, you know there wouldn't be a day that I go out now that I don't get asked oh were you on you can't ask that or I've seen your articles and last oh we went mum and I went to the finders keepers market in Melbourne and I think my husband was there he's a bit blase about it but <laughs> mum someone asked me for a selfie yeah. and then, and then mum and I squealed it's quite funny <laughs> oh, <laughs> because you know for, so, for so often I'm kind of you know, I, I'm stared at and asked why I look the way I do and all of that stuff. But to have that different kind of recognition. Mm, for a positive really, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, did your mum enjoy going to Paul McCartney? Oh, my gosh. She was such a fangirl, yes. <laughs> uh, she loved it. We were a bit worried because, as I said, we <laughs> she bought some tickets on a not very good site. <laughs> um, and then I bought the tickets in replacements just in case because everyone said they wouldn't work. Yeah. And the concert ended up to be really expensive because the tickets did work. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, she loved it. I loved it except for the bag situation because, you know, the, the security now is oh, so strict. Oh, yeah. And I, had, I took a backpack, which wasn't actually that big. It met the, the size requirements, but it was a backpack, and I had to put all my stuff into a bread bag. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so he played for three hours, and 
Yeah, it was wonderful. It was so, yeah. I mean, I've seen a Beatle now. Wow. Yeah, I know. I still, I'm, still, I'm never going to be over it. I don't think this is, no. <laughs> I kept turning to the person I was with and was like, is this really happening? Like I've had so many dreams about this and it finally happened. It's it amazing. Did you hear um, Zan Rose interview with him? I haven't listened to it yet. I down, I, oh was, my at, gosh. I was at work so and good. I've downloaded the podcast and I'm saving it. Um, I don't. I can't bring myself to listen to it. Yet. <laughs> it was so good, and and yeah, you'll, you'll love it when when she talks about feminism. Oh, wonderful! Oh, I know that they said that his interview with her, like he never does radio interviews that long, so um, it was really special for her to be able to speak to him for so long. Yeah, yeah, amazing. She spoke for about 40 minutes, I think. Yeah. So yeah. it was just wonderful, and even like, I mean, I. And obviously, I haven't had the experience with Paul McCartney, but talking to Bob Evans this year was just incredible for me. So I can imagine, you know, what what it would be like to talk to a Beatle. Yeah, wow. I don't know. I don't know I don't how Lee Sales held it together. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when when we actually when Jason and I did our podcast, and Bob Evans had to come to his house, mm. and then. Jason made the made the comment that oh I, I think that we need an ambulance on standby for <laughs> Carly because she's such a fangirl and I had to really really tone it down like it was really hard and actually when I did my recording with him for his podcast he wanted to come to my house and my house is like a, a I don't know messy hazard at all times uh, <laughs> and then I'm like oh gosh he can't come to my house he'll just think less of me so we had to arrange somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I just oh yeah, and I was I was so pleased to read that fully. Like the experience was everything she hoped it would be because I would hate to hear that he was a horrible person. And mm. Yeah, so I'm kind of like yeah. glad that that image that I have of him is protected. Actually, I was working um, on the paper this weekend. I was acting editor, and I had to put out the edition. Oh, yeah. It was quite a stressful day, and was with a young team, and I was just having a really bad day. And the yeah. lovely designer I was with I opened up the, I had to bring my laptop home and we recorded another interview for this podcast and then I had to get back to work and just finish off the front page and stuff and I opened up the um the letters page and they have a pick of the day and she put on this picture of Paul on the Sydney Harbour Bridge I and I wrote to her I was like oh, you didn't oh, tell me you were a Paul so McCartney did you see him talking with talking with the kiwi like he was holding a baby kiwi or something oh no i haven't Facebook. seen that <gasps> oh and, i've got to check this and out and then he's like reassuring the kiwi like not to be scared we're saving you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh i was just like thank you so much leslie you've made my day and she's like yeah i put it on there because i'm a beatles fan too but i know you went last weekend so you'll enjoy it i was like oh <laughs> so yeah it was, it was just a little such thing. a treat i've seen yeah. lots of um like really high profile old bands this year and I feel really lucky like it's been a really good year for I mean you know I saw Bruce Spring Bruce Springsteen at the start of the year yeah. not even one yeah. like a huge yeah. fan or anything but my friend had a free ticket not a free ticket a cheap ticket to give away and I took it and then there was um I saw Stevie Nicks and oh. The Pretenders the week before I saw Paul McCartney yeah. or maybe two weeks before. So I've seen a lot of, yeah. I saw Fleetwood oh. when they toured in 2015 and, yeah, yeah they were amazing, amazing. Amazing. I didn't think Stevie Nicks on her own was as good as Fleetwood Mac, but yeah. it was amazing anyway. And yes. I love, <laughs> I really love The Pretenders. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's been a great year. So it's awesome. I know. I'm just I'm so excited that I I just still can't <laughs> believe that I got to go see. <laughs> um, I so know, Carly, it's just like to, once in a lifetime, and wow, it is yeah, definitely. It really is. Um, just to wrap up, so yeah, um, you mentioned some great memoirs that you read last year that kind of pushed you to to write your own. Have you got any other recommendations for any great memoirs that you've read this year that other people should read? Oh, yes, so many. Um, I haven't read all – I kind of stopped. I've been reading a lot this year, I must say, but I haven't read as much memoir as I wanted because I'm um, writing my own. I didn't want to mm. be influenced. Yeah. Um, but I started reading Tracy Spices. Oh, high on my list. has been really yeah. great. Um, I, I, like I said, I haven't finished that yet. Um I also um, have read Clem Ford's, I've read Roxane Gay's Bad Feminist, which is yeah. great. Um, I read, oh, what else did I read? I'm just looking through my, actually, one that was really interesting that I I just listened to an Osher Ginsburg podcast uh, with Maz Compton, and mm-hmm. it's called This Is What Happens With The Microphones Are Off, When The Microphones Are Off. I thought that was really good. It was really – it's quite funny. It was about working in the music industry. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't I mean, actually heard of that It wasn't one. the really line I work in, but it was it was pretty good. Uh, Yasmin and Abdel McGee. Um, one book I haven't finished yet, but I went to see him talk with Jimmy Barnes. I went to see his working class boy show. Yeah. Um, which was brilliant. Oh, my goodness. That was just amazing. And I ju- we share the same publisher. Yeah. And I think even the same publicist now because he was in my local bookshop <laughs> and I did, a, I did a conference in Sydney and they asked me if I wanted to stay the two days and I said, no, sorry, I have to fly home to see Jimmy Barnes <laughs> in my local bookshop. Uh, so, anyway, he was there and I had this quite ridiculous situation at his his songs and stories show um, because a woman laughed at my face and when I confronted her about it, she and her friend were quite rude and denied it happened. Anyway, um, I'd written about it online and he he knew about it and we talked a little bit about that and he was saying how his wife was just horrified and so was he and that's not indicative of his fans. Anyway, so that was really nice to meet him and have that acknowledged and I just bought Working Class Man before yeah uh, at the thing um i also really liked um started reading oh no i think i finished reading i uh, madness a memoir yeah by um kate richards yeah which was really good um and um, there was a couple of others i read i can't remember now what what they were but Yes, I have read uh, quite a few, um, <laughs> but maybe in the first half of the year. Yeah, before you the memoirs. Yeah. But I have been reading a lot of fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I actually just started a memoir today, which I'm really loving, which is called Every Woman by Jess Phillips. She is okay. a British MP, um, and um, I heard her speak on Control Alt Delete. And uh-huh. as soon as I listened to that, I was like, yeah, I've got to find this book. And I saw it in the uh-huh. library today, so I grabbed it. And yes. so far that is that is really interesting. Um, and the talk of how she became the feminist she was because she didn't start like that. And, wow. Um, oh, her, I'm sure look it up. Yeah. I really love Control-Alt-Delete. I think that's a new memoir, isn't it, the podcast? Yes. And I really love 
Control Alt Delete. I think it's such a good podcast. It is. I love it. So I've got so I many books I want to read for a while. <laughs> I kind of save it because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I have so many I listen to, and um, that that is one that I will I will save up. And then I find so many book recommendations from that. I think oh, I have to listen to that now. I'll read more, and yeah, no, very <laughs> very good podcast that one is. Yeah, I um, met one of her interviewees earlier this year. Her name was um, Olivia Purvis, yeah. and she's an Instagram star, I think. And she came to Sydney on uh, Australia, but she was in Sydney for most of the time. But she was in Melbourne for about a weekend, and she had a little meet-up with her fans. And I followed her because of Control Lock Delete, and she was mm. so lovely. <laughs> she was talking about Instagram fame. But I said that I had really wanted to talk with, um, Emma Gannon on my podcast, but I wasn't even sure how I'd get in touch with her. Mm. So she and Liv, and Liv just said he should have like just emailed her. <laughs> so maybe when my podcast is out, I mean when my book's out, I'll do that. Yeah, oh, oh that'd be God. great. She has so many interesting stories to share, and I really enjoyed her memoir. Was one I read at the start of yeah, the year. Yeah, that was really great. I, really I read that it. last year. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think mainly it's been power, like strong, empowering women, um, and there's been a lot of short stuff that I've read as well mm. by a lot of um, disabled writers as well. Yeah. Oh. Who, oh, there was another one actually. I I just saw it on my um on my Kindle. There was one called Remarkability by Lorraine Murphy, and she was mm. a woman that founded the Remarkables, which was a blogging agency. She's quite young, yeah. and. Um, I thought that was really good, like a really good, um, uh, like a summary of her success. Mm. I thought that was good. But I have been reading far more um, fiction books than anything. And my favourite one at the moment has been Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Oh, you know, people have been telling me to read that for ages and one of my, you know, favourite, like people whose recommendations are so similar to my taste has been telling me to read it for ages. So I really must get on to that. It's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, yeah, I also enjoyed um, Alan Van Neeren's Comfort Food and I okay. found her, well, I'd actually performed in the same thing as her but I didn't know about her great poetry then. Mm-hmm. But um, then when the stuff broke out about her and the HSC and she was just treated appallingly by the students and the board, um, I bought her book and I really loved her book, Comfort Food. It's it's a book, poetry about food and Aboriginal culture, mm. which is great. And another one, which wasn't a biography but kind of a non-fiction, was The Woman Who Filled the World, Belle Gibson's Cancer Con. That was uh, incredible. Yes. I just saw Danielle post about this the other day and it looks yep. so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. It was just – I just think that she did that and pulled so many people. And yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really I really want to read that soon. Well, yeah. thank you so much for chatting to us tonight, Carly. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank um, you. Where can people find you online? Uh, I write, well, not very often, but I write <laughs> at carlyfinblade.com.au. I mostly write on Facebook, though, which is just Facebook and my name, Carly Findlay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have Instagram and Twitter that I do a lot of stuff at, um, at Carly Findlay, F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. And I do a podcast with Jason uh, and that is called Refreshments Provided. Oh, wonderful. And actually I am late with the show notes and I have to do them right now. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Oh, it sounds just like us. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so I much, Carly. Thank you.